every time someone makes an introduction to another person, I reach out, I follow up, and I do the same process where I research, I learn about them before I follow up and before I reach out. I want to say something very specific and personal to them. And I don't go in with like generic things like I want to pick your brain. I go in with things that are really specific, like I see what you've done in you know, whatever, this way, how you've marketed your brand so successfully. I love your branding work. I'd love to get input on what you think about our branding. Former attorney Mara Smith had no alcohol industry experience when she started wondering if the clean spirit she and her girlfriends enjoyed, tequila, could be reimagined from a female perspective. She committed herself to a singular mission to create a new tequila brand that honored the traditional spirit while innovating to reveal a fresh new offering. As a result, Inspiro Tequila was born with women as part of every aspect of the brand from production in Mexico to getting the bottles on the shelves. Coming up, Mara explains her journey from corporate America to becoming an entrepreneurista how the pandemic allowed Mara to have the time to focus on building her 100% agave tequila company, the importance of research and understanding the basics of an industry before breaking into it. And finally, Mara shares the key to figuring out a proper budget to fund your own business as a solo entrepreneurista. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Mara, I am so glad to finally sit down with you and share your entrepreneurista journey, which has really just started over the past few years with our audience. And I have to rewind and tell everyone how we initially connected. So Mara reached out to me over email. I actually pulled up the email today before this recording on April 28th of 2020. So very early on when everything first started with the pandemic, Mara was a listener of your listener of our podcast. And I believe then we were offering a complimentary consultation to our listeners, social media consultation. You reached out and shared your personal fertility journey with me, which was very similar to mine and sent this long email. And I replied back to you saying, of course, we'll set up a time to connect. And I want to write you a really long email, but let's get on a video call and connect. And here we are now today, two years later, and I'm so excited to share with everyone your journey and story because it is so inspiring. So thank you, Mara, for being here. Thank you. I'm so glad you had that offer at the time and I took you up on it. I wonder, would you have, if we didn't, would you, do you think you would have still reached out? No. I actually think because that opportunity and I was so early on that I don't think I would have felt confident enough to reach out, but because I said, you know, I'm a fan of the podcast and here you're offering a free consultation. Great. I'm going to, I'm going to take it. And that is, I think that the first learning lesson of the episode today and something that we talk about all the time is If you don't take a risk and you don't reach out, you never know what could happen. So if you're sitting at home right now thinking, should I message that person on Instagram or should I send that email? Just do it because you never know what can happen. And here we are now, two years later, Mara, I would love for you to share with me a little bit about what Inspiro is, and then we'll get into the the whole backstory of uh, what you were doing before and how it came to be. Sure. So Inspiro Tequila is a super premium tequila brand, and it's a woman-owned, operated, and created tequila that's focused on the female consumer, and it's 100% agave, produced and, you know, manufactured in Mexico, and it's confirmed additive-free and just a, a great new tequila option. So how did you go from being a corporate attorney at McDonald's to then deciding, I think I want to launch a tequila business. How does that even happen? I know it's a, it's a, it's a crazy path. Well, so I'll say this, unlike many entrepreneurs, 
I was actually really risk averse when I was younger. And I think I've become more risk tolerant as I've gotten older. So really kind of an, an unusual, you know, dream for a young girl. It was not to become an entrepreneur, but it was to become a Supreme Court justice. So I was very focused on this goal and really driven on the goal to get to law school. And I think I followed this really linear path that was to do really well in undergrad, then get into law school, then from law school, be able to pay off all my law school debt by getting a job at a really big um, law firm. So I worked in a really large law firm in Chicago for many years. And because of that, and just constantly, I think being really focused and I didn't really look around and see that there were other options or opportunities. So I feel like my trajectory was just this very like conservative path. I was at the law firm for many years, at a large law firm. It was a great learning experience. I learned a ton. But once I was getting ready and I thought I wanted to start a family, I didn't think it was going to be feasible for me to stay in that kind of environment. So I decided to go to the corporate side. So then I moved to McDonald's to do corporate strategy. I think that was the first time that actually kind of lit my entrepreneurial spirit because I was part of a project where we had people from all around the world, different McDonald's employees from all around the world, working kind of like in an incubator type setting and studying consumer trends and different insights to develop new ideas. I just really was fascinated by the whole ideation process, loved it. And at that time, I actually started thinking, oh, what if I could, you know, start my own company? And I started looking into actually opening a chain of ice cream stores. So I started doing some research into it and it didn't look like that was going to be the right path, but I just, those ideas just started coming to mind of what could I do? But my career was cut, my corporate career and those kind of great dreams to open my own company kind of came to a screeching halt because I was put on emergency bed rest um, when I was pregnant with my twins, my oldest, they're twins. And actually that's how we connected. So I had something called P-Prom. And when you talked about your journey, the reason I reached out is because I had never heard anyone talk about it before. And for me, it was like this really lonely experience. I didn't have, there's no social media or any way to find people who are in the same situation. I was just scared and on my own. So that was the impetus to me reaching out because like, oh my gosh, someone's sharing a, you know, sharing a similar story. And I, I haven't heard that from anyone. But then once my twins were born prematurely, I made the choice to stay home because I thought they, they needed my attention. So all of a sudden I was kind of off this hamster wheel of the crazy corporate world. I was home, but I was always thinking about kind of business ideas and what I would do uh, once I was going to reenter the workforce. So that's kind of the background pre-Inspiro Tequila. Did you end up going back to work full-time after you had your kids or you have you had stayed home since then and we're trying to figure out what business to, to start and when? I've been home for a long time. I stayed home since then. So a very significant gap in the resume, which is frankly really difficult for women to kind of make up for that gap in the resume, get back into the workforce. When did the idea hit you for Inspiro and you were like, this is it, this is the one and it's the right time, I'm ready to move forward? Well, interestingly enough, it all kind of started right before COVID. So I had been thinking of ideas and, and knew that I was going to start my own company and considering ideas and I kept coming back to tequila. Um, if I was going to start something, I wanted it to be around something I really liked and a product that I really enjoy. So. This all kind of transpired in about January of 2020. And actually, you know, then I incorporated um, my LLC in February. And then obviously the pandemic occurred. And it actually gave me more time, I think, to finally focus on this. So even though I had three kids, e-learning from home, my husband working from home, me working from home. I did have more time because we weren't going anywhere. So I could finally like really hone in and do the deep dive into starting this. And the reason I wanted it to be tequila is because I'm personally a tequila drinker. That's been my spirit of choice for many years. I've been, you know, gluten-free for over a decade and I was just looking for a cleaner drink option, something that didn't have sugar because it didn't sit well with me the next day. 
And I just started discovering that all these women were telling me that they choose tequila as their drink option. And I was like, oh, well, if all these women drink tequila, how come none of the brands really focus on them as the consumer? So I, I thought there was an opportunity there to really innovate and focus and hone in on this consumer and focus on them and create something that was customer centric. So creating a look, taste and aroma around specifically this, you know, this female consumer who makes a lot of purchasing decisions and enjoys tequila. So many women have ideas to start businesses and we write ideas down on papers or on our phone in notes. And many times they are just these ideas, nothing moves forward and ends up happening. But you had this idea, you thought about it for a while, you talked to a lot of your friends, but then when you said, all right, I'm taking the step to move forward and this is going to become a reality. What were some of those first steps that you took to, you know, incorporate your business and start doing that market research? Because you did have a background in this and I would assume, I think your career probably really helped you, you know, your previous career uh, helped you, you know, figure out some of those early tips. Yeah. Well, you know, the legal background definitely helped in, in a number of ways. One, obviously, things like the general incorporation, things like that in alcohol, the compliance laws are very extensive and differ state by state. And they're the same laws that have been in place since post-prohibition in 1933. So actually wrapping my head around that, you know, wasn't as difficult because I have that background. I also think I have really good research skills probably from that background. And that was the first thing I did really was it was just due diligence, as much due diligence as I could do. Here, I was reentering the workforce and entering into a new industry. So I listened to podcasts, I watched webinars, I read books about the tequila industry. I even took a course offered by the CRT, which is the governing body in Mexico for tequila and became certified in the production and history of tequila. So I knew I had to do a lot of homework to get up to speed. But I think, you know, it's, it's doable though. So there are so many resources available out there if you're willing to take advantage of them that you really can educate yourself pretty quickly on any industry. So that was kind of my initial approaches. I just thought I had to really understand the industry as much as possible. And then obviously I also start doing, you know, a deep dive into every aspect of building a business as well, which, you know, is, is extensive. How much time did it take you to do that initial research? Was that a month? Was that six months, a year? You know, I'm always researching. So I think it's never really stopped, to be honest. So I probably was researching for three or four months, just understanding basics of industry, the brands out there, competition, doing, um, it was really important to me that we do a lot of customer research. So we ran focus groups of female consumers. We followed up with a you know larger survey. I really wanted to understand drinking occasions, what their preferences are, how they select tequila, what's important to them. If I was going to do this, I, I really wanted to be customer centric when we created it. And so right off the bat, and then I say, I'm constantly trying to learn new things and new skills. Uh, it didn't end with under, you know, having an understanding of the industry. There's still always more to learn. And I had to learn everything from figuring out how to, you know, apply for barcodes to shipping and how to get product in and ship product in from a foreign country. So Actually, that's part of the most exciting piece for me is that it's a huge learning curve in so many different areas. And I find that really exciting and, and fun. I feel like so many entrepreneurs share when you start a business, and I'll say the same thing for myself. I did not go to graduate school for business. I went to undergrad and studied, you know, business and hospitality, but when you start your own business, it's like you're getting an MBA during that time period when you're first launching because you have to figure everything out. What was the most surprising thing that you've learned over the past two years? Oh my gosh, there are so many, so many things that I've learned. Surprising to me are things that I learned that I never thought I would know about. I actually uh, said something to my husband the other day. I'm like, can you believe I know the terminology in freight shipping? Like I know, I know freight shipping terminology. Like, can you believe that that's something that's in my, you know, vocabulary that to, you know, SEO, 
like completely when I first got an SEO strategy, I looked at it, I thought it was like written in a foreign language. So getting even a handle on that at all, I'm no expert by any means, but those are areas like I'd say the technology piece of it and logistics, things that I really had no experience with. The legal was a little less daunting to me as well as kind of the analytical part because my my undergrad is actually in accounting so getting my head around the numbers not as difficult but huge areas like marketing that was a big black hole for me so I, I think I've learned a ton and I have a lot more to learn we're, we're always learning for sure. Well, let's talk about the numbers and the financials and figuring out when you're starting a business, how much money you need to put aside to be able to launch a company, especially a company like yours, where you have to, you're producing product and you have to pay for marketing and strategy and consultants. How did you figure out how much money you would need to, to build the business and what has been, you know, your source of being able to, to fund the business? Have you bootstrapped the business? Were you able to raise money? Any tips you can share there? Yes. So, I mean, I have bootstrapped and I have to say, I'm, I've been very fortunate that I can bootstrap and fund it. There's also, you know, something to be said about the fact that I am, am a little more seasoned and uh, uh, experienced. So, you know, had I started this right out of law school, I would not have been able to do that. But my husband and I have been, you know, working for a very, very long time. So I'm fortunate that we can do that and that I can self-fund. And I think there's a few reasons why that was important to me initially. One is I'd like to show traction first and kind of have some proof of concept, uh, especially before I go to friends and family, like doing a friends and family round, I would feel more comfortable if I just knew I had, you know, the proof of concept first. Two, I'm aware of kind of, you know, the valuations and what would happen if I was doing this, we just launched. So pre-revenue or really early stage and, and what that would look like for me. And I think the other thing is I'm a solo entrepreneur and I am well aware of the fact that the fundraising process, as you know, is a, is a huge job and a full-time job. And I just don't have time right now to pound the pavement because I'm literally handling, you know, a production runs happening in Mexico, logistics, shipping every area of marketing and I don't have any more bandwidth. So I'm, I'm lucky and I feel very, you know, fortunate that I can take this route right now and bootstrap it. And I would suggest to anybody, you know, to do that as long as you can. And also to look at other sources of funding besides, you know, there are just a lot of different ways, you know, you did an iPhone women campaign, uh, looking at that crowdfunding that also helps build brand awareness taking out small business loans. There's a new bank that just opened in Chicago called the First Women's Bank, which I think is just an amazing concept, right? So women getting small business loans. I just think there are a lot of different options and sometimes we don't look at all of them, but that's something I'm doing is trying to look at all of those different ways that potentially we can, you know, figure out a way to fund without maybe going straight to, you know, like a, a VC route or giving away a lot of equity. I'm also fortunate, my father-in-law, I brought him out of retirement. I'm sure he's very pleased with that, but he was a former CFO and I brought him out of retirement and basically, so now he operates everything and is, is handling all of our financials for me. So I take advantage of any, you know, any free family um, labor that I can. Mara, I think you are probably one of the most resourceful, connected people that I have ever met. And you find a way to research and then connect with the right people to help bring them into your business or, or under what you're doing. Uh, so I love hearing that. But I just heard you say that what I hear a lot of entrepreneurs to say, you're doing a little bit of everything and managing the shipping and the marketing and logistics. And it's a lot. It's so much, especially when you're first starting out. How have you been able to figure out now, especially in the early days, who to be able to delegate certain things to, like when to bring in an agency or a freelancer? So you're not doing absolutely everything. Well, a couple of things. One learning that I've been trying to implement is the Sarah Blakely quote that if someone could do something 80% as well as you can, let them do it. I really was trying to do way too many things. And there are people that can do things better than me and more efficiently. And so I am trying to hand off 
more of those action items. Listen, I think as a founder, you do have to have a, an understanding of every aspect of the business. You have to understand it enough to be able to make decisions, right? But I don't have to be the expert in every area. So that's really what I've thought about when I'm trying to onboard. So, right, I, I have to know enough and understand, you know, paid social, but I'm not going to know how to run it. I don't know how to, you know, work the Facebook business account, things like that. I need to, you know, be able to look at the numbers, see what's working, what's not. So I tried to find really, I'd say probably, you know, small agencies or freelancers in a lot of areas that could help me because one, being new, I wanted someone who would really be focused and dedicate their time and and really care about the brand and be on board and want to see Inspiro Tequila do well and grow. So that was really my strategy is to find if it's small agencies, freelancers. And I also think it's a really good way to test people out as well. So even starting with consultants, I have a, a lot of 1099s and consultants that have helped me. And now I have my first full-time employee, but even her, I tested out for you know eight months on a consultancy basis. And I think it's a, a really good way for a new business to get started. And and then you can also learn a lot. You know, some are some people were the right fit, some were not the right fit. So it's a lot, there's a lot more flexibility in the ability to, you know, kind of change and change paths. So that was that was really my my approach. Those are such great tips and agree with all of them. And it's how how we've grown our businesses too. So I applaud what you're doing and it's it's definitely seems to be working. <laughs> Mara, I have to share with you that when you first launched your new product and you sent it to me in the mail, I opened the box, I pulled out the bottle and I started to cry because it was just so incredible being able to be part of your journey from the beginning when you were sharing with me, you know, you had this idea to start this company to watching you, you know, learn how to develop the product, meet with your manufacturers, hire marketing contractors and agencies. And then all of a sudden it was like, I snapped my fingers, time flew by and now it was at my house. And I just, it was just a very emotional moment. And I am just so impressed and inspired by everything that you have done. So congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. It, it means a lot to me that it had that kind of impact on you. And, and, and it, I'm so glad that you, you know, have been, you got to see the whole journey and um, have, have really helped guide me on my journey. I would love to hear more about your launch strategy because so many times, you know, as we're all starting businesses, we come up with these ideas. We think we're going to put up our website and all of a sudden there's going to be millions of dollars in orders on day one. And when we don't see that, we're like, oh my gosh, what happened? But I will share that when you launched, I felt like I was seeing your product absolutely everywhere. So what were some of the early tactics that you used to really get the word out about Inspiro Tequila? So I think when I was developing this, a big part of it was how we were going to do it differently and how we were going to innovate in the industry. So first of all, most of the time when a new spirit brand enters the industry, they look to get on premise and build brand awareness that way, which is means in restaurants and bars. Now, remember, I started this all at the beginning of COVID pretty much. So that kind of was never our strategy. One, it's it's a pretty expensive way to play and doing that straight, you know, going that way. So we always were going to be focused digitally. So it was always a big part of our plan to build brand awareness through communities of women, you know, supportive women, really through social media. We're growing it. It's not like huge yet, but and also just, I feel like having an email strategy with our newsletter that is probably less about marketing and more about just fun facts and information and, you know, my favorite finds and things like that. So I think that's how we, we really went, you know, to market is we're, we're looking at how can we build this and how can we find our consumer? We know who she is 
And I don't think she's walking down the aisles of her local liquor store asking if there's a new tequila brand. I think she's learning about it because someone brought it to her house or she tried it somewhere or she saw someone drinking it or found out about it on social media. So because we were really focused on who this consumer is and where she gets her information, that was our approach all along. So what did you learn? Where is she hanging out? Is it Instagram? Is it TikTok? Where is she? Yes. And I have to say, because it's early, we are still doing a lot of testing. We're we're still A-B testing. You know, I love to think of all the different options, even though this is a whole new world to me. Believe me, I knew nothing about social media. So when I reached out to you at the same time, I was also taking a course to figure out how to like do a post. I mean, I, I didn't even know how to post a story. I learned how to use Lightroom and Canva. I remember on one of our, I think it might've been the second time we talked on the phone and I was showing you how to do stuff, I think on Instagram that day. Yeah. Literally did not know how to do anything. I wasn't even on social media. I didn't have a Facebook account, nothing. So that was like a big piece of it is how we were going to do this differently and really, and, and learn about this customer. So we're still testing all different ways. So right now we're looking at like Pinterest and is she there? Cause she's looking at cocktail recipes. TikTok is, is pretty new in the alcohol industry because there are certain limitations and what you can do and promotion wise, things like that and selling uh, and running ads through TikTok. But is, is she there? Figuring out like the, the types of content she likes. And I, I think that's a big part of what we're testing now, figuring out, you know, if it's an influencer strategy versus recipes, you know, I I think there's still a lot, a lot to learn because we just launched end of September. And now we're trying to figure out, you know, how to build brand awareness and how to really engage with our consumer. From these early tests that you've done, have you seen any early signals in terms of what type of content is performing the best? Is it the product shots? Is it the gifts or gifs? (laughs) One thing we have found is people do really like to hear the story behind it. I mean, that's what you do. That's everything you do is you you hear the story behind all the brands. And I sometimes think, well, aren't people, you know, isn't it boring? Who wants to know about my story and how this started? But, but it is an authentic, real story. And there's a person, you know, that's behind it. And I do think that's something that people like to see. And the fact that I'm really authentic. I don't pretend that it's very easy. It's hard. It is a ton of work. There are lots and lots of ups and downs. I think people like to kind of to see that and learn more about that. Uh, we always thought this was a really thoughtful consumer. I talked about why I started drinking tequila, you know, active lifestyle, caring about being healthier. I care about, you know, what I eat and drink and who I purchase from. And I think we've discovered that that's the consumer we that we thought would be the consumer for a product. And, and she is, she cares about, she's following, you know, athleisure brands and she cares about health and wellness and is a thoughtful consumer and wants to support brands that make an impact. So I think we are finding that kind of who we thought she was is who she actually is. <laughs> That's great when you find that what you actually thought is is the is the reality and you're making strides moving forward. So are you showing up more personally on your Instagram and in your emails? Are you making an effort to do that based on these findings? I'm really trying to. So my children would laugh at me because I don't know how to take a selfie. I, I don't know how. Someone said, just do a quick video, put it on your tripod. I'm like, what? you know, I, I don't have a tripod. So, um, so they, they sent me, you need to have a tripod to do a, a quick video. So I'm trying, I'm really trying to do that. I'm just not someone who's used to like documenting my life, but I am trying to show up more. I will say I show up in the background or maybe people don't see. So caption writing is super important to me. Our newsletter, our blog, everything we put out there, it has to pass like my test and has to be super authentic. So I end up writing a lot of that. So I do a lot of the writing behind the scenes. You know, I won't suggest anything that I don't truly, truly love. I mean, they were doing a post of some favorite things and someone put in like a bag and I said, well, I want to carry that. So you can't put it up. Like everything really does have to pass my test. So it is my voice 
behind it all, but you may not always see my face there just because I'm not great at that, but I am really trying and making a concerted effort to, to really do that more. Look, I, I know it's not easy. And I, I feel like I talk about this a lot when we do our entrepreneurs league, social media sessions and trainings, you know, people really like to do business with people that they love, that they trust people that seem, you know, authentic or like them, but it's not natural and easy to always be holding your phone out and talking to the camera. Like people think with me, cause I've, you know, been doing this podcast for years and been in front of audiences that I'm like so natural at it and love it. And it's still so hard for me. I, there's nothing to me that's natural about holding out a phone and talking to the camera, but it's become, you know, like part of doing business now in this, in this social media world where everyone really wants to connect with you and they do want to be part of your story. They want to see what it's like when you're having these really great days and you get this new shipment in, or you got a big order and they want to see what it's like when, you know, that Facebook ad maybe wasn't performing and you spent a thousand dollars on something and you know how you feel about it. So I think there is something about having that connection. And I remind myself often like, okay, I don't feel like showing up right now on Facebook or on Instagram, but I know by doing it, I'm helping others and I'm connecting. So look, we wouldn't have connected if I, if I didn't share, right? No, I appreciate that. I think I just need to be more disciplined in it. I keep saying every week I start off, okay, this week, I'm really going to try and like, you know, document, document the highs and lows of the week. And, and then it gets, you know, through the middle of the week and then end of the week, I'm like, okay, next week, I'm really going to (laughs) start. It's so hard. Okay. So a trick that I have learned to do, and it's not always easy to follow is just putting like 30 minutes a day in your calendar. Like this is social media show up time and I'm going to put it in my calendar. I'm not going to schedule over it. So try that. See if it works. Let me know. I like calendar blocking. So that could be a good one. So speaking of other tips to stay organized, are there certain business tools or solutions that you've used or tried in your business over the past few years that have helped you to stay organized or help to manage, you know, everything that you're working on? Yes. So I feel like I've tried a number of them and what I've been most successful with is Airtable. I am a huge Airtable fan. And that is because I am very low tech. And I have to tell, say to everybody that if I can figure out how to use it, anybody can. I just think it's a great way to organize. You can have you know unlimited databases. It's just a one-stop shop for everybody to go to. So I have like an entire database that it, all our brand assets. So anyone could get in there and quickly pull a logo file or a picture. We have one that is, you know, CRM based. We have one for social media. I found that to be the most effective tool that we use. You can use it for planning. You can drop in documents easily. And you can also allow access to a particular database on an as-needed basis. So I can have just the people involved in social media looking at the social media database. And then I have you know, one with invoices and financials, and that could be just people who have to be involved in the financial aspect. So for me, instead of having too many tools, because that was getting very confusing and sharing like way too many different Google drives that I could not keep track of. And then I tried to sign off and then I didn't have people, you know, keeping it up to date. So for me, that's been the easiest tool to kind of simplify everything and put everything in like one place. Does Airtable replace an Asana? For me, it has. Now, it's not necessarily as project management-based, but you can put that, you can establish project management. Like my actual social media calendar is now in Airtable with links to every post and everything like that. So you can establish it that way. And then you can put timelines and dates in. Well, Airtable is a business tool that we have not used yet at Entrepreneurista. So we're definitely going to to check that out. We're always looking for new new tools and solutions. And I've heard of Airtable and I know people have talked about it. But now with your description, Mara, I think we're gonna check it out because we're always looking for for new ones to, to test should. and try. And I feel very like very simple with Google Drive. Um, we have like so many, like you said, so many Google Docs floating around. So do you still use Google Drive as well, but then you put them into Airtable or it replaces a Google Drive also? You can, but I've really moved away from the Google Drive, to be honest, because I'm constantly searching. I have too many people sharing on different drives. What we generally do is just pull everything in and have everything in separate Airtable databases. So I just find it 
you know, if I need to pull something quickly, I can go in there and I can find it really easily. As opposed to Google Drive, I feel like I'm doing a search and trying to find which drive, you know, who's sharing it with me, where it is. So we really are relying pretty much exclusively on Airtable right now. All right. We're definitely going to check that out. I want to go back and just touch on your launch strategy with working with influencers and ambassadors that you sent product to. How did you determine who you wanted to work with and send product to? And then how did you measure the initial results of your launch? Yeah. So I'd say as far as that part, it was real, it's all been organic. So to date, all the influencer strategy has really been organic. And it's it's kind of just somebody tells me they're interested or people reach out to me or it's, you know, a friend of a friend and they'd love to try it. So all that has just been, you know, hey, would you like to try our tequila? And I found that, you know, very few people say no to um, a bottle of tequila. So I think that's kind of our initial approach. And now I think we're looking at a little more of a developed uh, influencer strategy. That's because I didn't really have anyone managing that before for me. So it was just me reaching out to people or, you know, getting in touch through someone else and literally filling a box on my dining room floor and sending it out. That's how all the boxes that have been sent out (laughs) have worked. But I think now we're trying to look at a little bit, you know, more of having an actual strategy behind it. So people that can, you know, really be cheerleaders of the brand. It's very important to me that everybody who represents though, it's that it really is authentic. So I insist that everybody tries the product first. I send it, try the product, make sure you like it before you're going to talk about it. So I think that's really significant. And I think we're just developing what that's going to look like from micro-influencers to brand ambassadors. We'll still have some, you know, we'll still have an organic influencer strategy because I've just been fortunate to connect with just so many amazing female founders and leaders that are supportive. So we'll always have that also, you know, as part of it. And I think as far as the metrics and measuring, to be honest, because we didn't have anyone managing it, I just don't think we've done a great job measuring yet. And that's a big part of the next piece in the strategy. So I did just hire someone again, you know, a freelancer who can run it for us and manage it. I'm so happy to do outreach and to connect with people, but I need someone who can take it over after that and follow through and see how it's working and see which parts of the strategy work best for us and, and how it grows, you know, grows our, you know, following or community. So that is something we're really going to try and start implementing. I'd say in this end of the first quarter of this year, it's all test and learn, right? Figure out what's preferring best and then do more of it. An idea I just had for you as you were sharing that is of the influencers and ambassadors and people who were organically posting for you when you first sent them product, they probably still have those videos saved. Like if they did stories for you that you could reach out to them and ask for those stories to then use those as ads and future content and get the rights to be able to to whitelist it. So you're not having to go out and reach out to, you know, another 20 or 30 people. There's, you know, women who are already drinking your product who have content that's already been created that you could ask to, to whitelist or, or use it as ads. So just, just an idea I thought of. No, that's a great idea. Cause it didn't occur to me before. And then now that we have someone handling paid, she keeps saying, well, will they send us the video so we can, you know, we can use it. I'm like, oh, it didn't occur to me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Reach out to all of the past people who, who already posted videos and took videos. They probably still have them saved on, on their phone. And maybe they'd be willing to, to let you share them and promote them. Or even if they reposted it, you could have whoever's running your ads whitelist that content. So it's ads running from their account, but you know, you choose the destination you want them to land onto your website. And then you don't have to go find another whole group of ambassadors. So thank you. You just saved us a lot of time, money, hopefully <laughs> money. Here for, right? <laughs> I love it. What would you say that you're most proud of to date, Mara? Well, I think first of all, it's personal versus business. So I, I can't ever say, you know, the thing I will always be most proud of are my children, you know, above everything else. So that that's number one for our business. I'd say, I'd really say the product quality and people love our bottle. I mean, you have it. So once people see it and I get really excited because that took a long time and that was my mom and I kind of doing sketches back and forth. I'm especially proud because I never really 
thought of myself as a creative person. I really always thought of myself as very analytical, you know, I have a math kind of background and then legal. So for me to create something that for me, that it's really creative and artistic. Now I'm not the artist to, you know, come up with the design and make it look beautiful, but I had a really good vision of what I wanted and the look and style. So I'm very proud of that coming to fruition. And the fact that, you know, we've just received great reviews as far as the quality of the juice inside matching the quality of the bottle. And every time I see someone taste it and try it and they truly love it, that just, you know, makes me light up. So I'd say that delivering on the product quality is what I'm most, most proud of. Mara, you are one of our favorite podcast listeners too. So you already know what segments is coming up next, right? <laughs> We're going to do a few rapid fire questions. I think so. <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> yes. All right. Describe yourself in three words. Uh, loyal, reliable, and persistent. Where is your happy place? Sitting by the pool in Grand Cayman with my family. That sounds amazing. Do you have a hidden talent? I don't know if I'm talented at it, but I really like to dance and given any opportunity, I will be the first person on the dance floor. I love that. Without tequila. <laughs> Favorite business tool that has helped you in your business. We'll say aside from Airtable, anything else? Cause we already know about Airtable. <laughs> oh gosh. It's, I'd have to say besides Airtable, that really would be my go-to tool. Cause I don't use that much else than Airtable. All right. We'll stick with air too. (laughs) (laughs) Coffee or tea? Matcha tea every morning. Hmm. And finally, your favorite cocktail to make with Inspira tequila. I am really simple. I'm a tequila and soda girl. So on the racks, tequila and a little soda. You and Courtney have to hang out because she's a big tequila drinker. So... When next time you're in Miami, let her know. She will come have. I, I think she got to try it in Miami. Oh, yes. I had it yes, there yes. for her event. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Amazing. Mara, I would love to talk a bit about your networking strategy because you are the queen of community and networking. So share with me some of your tips and what's really worked for you. Well, I'm really flattered that you describe me as a community builder because this is something that's a very recently acquired skill for me. I don't think it came naturally. I think naturally kind of introverted and building, you know, a network to help guide me has been, has been critical to one to reentering into the workforce also because I had this huge gap in my resume and been out of the workforce for so long and entering into a new industry. So I knew that I couldn't do it all on my own and that I really had to reach out and find people who would support me. And I mean, one, I reached out to communities that you recommended right off, as soon as you did, you know, I was like, great, I'll join. So I really actively participate in a number of different networks of female founders and leaders, which are really collaborative and supportive, like the Entrepreneurial League. I also, you know, I learned to take a risk and reach out to people. And I'll even send like cold, you know, LinkedIn messages and to connect to people that, that I, you know, am really interested in learning more about. And I've learned a few different ways to do this effectively. One, I think you should reach out to people who interest you and people are generally receptive if you come in well-informed. So that's really, I think the key is that you should know about the person or their company. And then they're way more likely to respond. So, you know, an example, right when I was getting started, actually it was probably March of 2020, because it was before things started shutting down. I was invited to go to a book signing and meet an author that I was very interested in. I found out like a few days before the event, I ordered the book on Amazon and I read her entire book before I went to the book signing so that I could ask her questions that were relevant and, you know, made me look like I did my homework, which I did. So I would say if you really do your homework and research and have a really good understanding. So when you come in, you have a really specific request and seem knowledgeable, people are just way more receptive, right? If someone reached out to you in a cold email and they just didn't say anything, you know, personal or understanding who you were, 
you wouldn't be as likely to respond as if they came in. You know, when I sent you an email, I sent a long email about how your, you know, situation with fertility really resonated with me. And here's my situation. I mean, if it's personal, I just think you're going to get a way better response. So I think that's my second thing is to really just make it very personal. And I think the third thing is I follow up on every introduction. I know it's hard to do because there one person introduces you to two more people, but I think that's essential, especially when you're getting started. So every time someone makes an introduction to another person, I reach out, I follow up and I do the same process where I research, I learn about them before I follow up and before I reach out. I wanna say something very specific and personal to them. And I don't go in with like generic things like I want to pick your brain. I go in with things that are really specific. Like I see what you've done in, you know, whatever this way, how you've marketed your brand so successfully. I love your branding work. I'd love to get input on what you think about our branding. So that would be kind of how I feel like I've built that community. And, and the people I've met with are truly fascinating. And I love every conversation. So I don't mind following up with everybody and setting aside time because every interaction, I feel like I learned something from, and there's a takeaway and truly one of the most fulfilling, I think parts of starting Inspiro Tequila are all the amazing female founders and leaders that I've met along the way and connected with. So that's, that's the fun part for me. Yes. I love all of those tips and could not, could not agree more with, with the strategy and everything that you shared. And I'm again, so glad that that you reached out to me and took the time and sent that long email and that we connected. And there is something like whenever anyone reaches out to someone, you like, we're all human. We all want to connect and we all want to find that reason to connect right before we did this recording today, Mara, uh, we had an entrepreneurista league event with Sabina Hitchin. Do you know Sabina? Press for success. I watched her. I yes. watched her on. I think it's for yes. So she, the advice you're sharing, this is like the same advice she was just sharing about like when you're sending a PR pitch and connecting with the editor and, you know, doing your research and showing that you have, you know, done your homework and you know who they are. And I think it just really, it applies to any type of reach out and any, any type of ask. So those are such great tips. And, and I'm glad that you shared that. And do you stay organized with all these follow-ups through Airtable too? Is there a... I do. I have a personal CRM in Airtable and that's where I keep everything. Because one thing I'm not great at is remembering and remembering everybody and exactly who introduced me to them and how I met them. So, and it's a lot. So I do keep all of that information and and follow-up to be honest too, like when I should follow up. And I think it's important to keep in touch, not to have just an initial meeting And then, you know, they never hear from you again. Yep. The follow-up is key. And this episode is not sponsored by Airtable, but I am going to be looking up the (laughs) Airtable right after this, right after this recording today. Mara, do you believe there is such thing as having work-life balance as an entrepreneurista? I, I don't, maybe just for me, I'm not a person that's really good at balancing. I am really good at being very, very focused on like a task at hand. So if it's something that I have to do for work, if I'm doing a contract, I can be completely in and focused and not distracted. Or if it's going to my son's basketball game, then I'm focused on that. And that's my focus at the time. But I don't know that I balance that well. I think there's something that's going to get a lot of attention one day and something else is probably going to slip. And that's just the honest truth that there are a lot of balls in the air and a lot of things that have to get juggled. And I'm trying to take a little pressure off myself to feel like I have to do all of them and do all of them really well every day. Do you have a mantra or quote that you live your life by? Yes. And that's to be a learn it all and not a know it all. I'm just always have been very intellectually curious and I love learning new things starting a new company. As we talked about before, there are so many different aspects that you have to learn and the learning curve is huge. I find that really exciting and that you don't need to go in with all the answers. I, I believe that the only way you're going to innovate or come up with something different is because you don't come in with all the answers and that you're really, you're curious and want to think of different ways to do things. So that is just something I live by. I'm constantly 
taking in and consuming more information. If it's, you know, reading more books, listening to more podcasts, participating in more webinars. I just love consuming lots and lots of information and learning as much as I can every day. I love that. I never heard anyone say that a learn it all, not a know it all. I want to, we're going to definitely make a little quote graphic with that, Mara. I love that. Mara, finally, what does being an entrepreneur mean to you? I think to me, it means being a woman who creates something to make an impact and along the way supports and collaborates with other women. So I'm just a firm believer that women need to support other women-owned businesses. And it's essential for women-owned businesses to become successful. So then you have other, you know, you just have more women out there to invest back into female founders. And that's how we're going to equalize the access to capital. It is so true. That's how we are all going to grow together, create more wealth for women. And I am so excited to continue to follow me part of everything that you're doing. And so we can continue to share your journey and inspire tequila with our audience and community. Mara, where can everyone find you, follow you on social? And of course, for our listeners who would like to try inspire tequila, where can they do that? Yes. So you can follow me and be inspired by Mara. It's a, it's a work in progress of me trying my, my attempt at social media. And then Inspiro Tequila, you can follow on at Inspiro Tequila, I-N-S-P-I-R-O Tequila. And you can purchase from us now on InspiroTequila.com, I-N-S-P-I-R-O Tequila.com. And we're going to offer a 10% discount to all the entrepreneurs out there. So use the code Entrepreneista10. Thank you, Mara. And for all of our amazing listeners, we will be sharing all of Mara's links and the special code in the show notes below. So definitely be sure to check it out. Mara, thank you so much for being here again and allowing us to share your journey and story. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead.